When it comes to the way people work, the role of organizations and generational expectations, a lot has changed over the past 10 years. For many workers, what was once a relatively straightforward agreement for a person's time and energy has now evolved into something much more meaningful and complex. Technology has also had a significant impact on how we do our jobs. Over the next years and decades, work and what your employees want to get out of it is going to change even more dramatically, especially as technology, society, politics and our individual needs evolve. Canadians are now holding employers to a new and evolving ethical and social standard. They want to work for social enterprises, which are organizations that care about purpose alongside profit. I'm Brian Borsakowski, and welcome to The Social Enterprise in Canada, a podcast by Deloitte. This three-part series will explore a few of the major human capital trends that are shaping the future of work and the role that organizations play in our lives. Over the next three episodes, we will dive into some of the main ideas found in Deloitte's recently released 2020 Global Human Capital Trends Report. You can find the full report on Deloitte's website. Our first podcast focuses on the importance of purpose and why companies need to pay more attention to well-being at work. Today, the term purpose often refers to an organization's values, but in the future, it will be about deepening the connection between a company and its employees. To help us better understand purpose and how it connects to well-being, we have Sabrina Zdao, a senior manager in Deloitte's Human Capital Consulting Group, and Aaron Grew, a partner in Deloitte's Human Capital Consulting Group. Thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. Thanks, Brian. To start off, uh, why don't we talk about purpose? The Deloitte Human Capital Report talks a lot about uh, one of the P's is purpose. What does it mean for a company to have purpose? You know, uh, purpose is a company's reason for being, and it's how they define their mission. And outside of that, and importantly, it's a way for people, people that work for these organizations, to connect with the work that they do and to find a sense of meaning in what they do every day and for people to be truly engaged in in what they do it's really critical that corporate purpose resonates with employees and we know when people feel a sense of purpose in their work that they're more focused and more likely to stay with an organization there was a really interesting longitudinal study done in japan And they tracked people over the course of their lives and determined that people who had a sense of purpose not only were more focused and productive at work, they also were less likely to have uh, disease and they were more likely to live longer. I I totally agree, Sabrina. And and Brian, I I think to really understand purpose in the context we're talking about it, we have to actually look back over the last decade. So if you look at coming out of the financial crisis think about what has changed like in at that time you know 2008 2009 we had very traditional organizations where people would trade their effort and time for security and compensation and all those things but in the decades since then you've seen massive social movements we've seen multiple generations come into the workforce we've seen people basically take a whole different idea of what their employment contract looks like And this is where the social enterprise comes in. And the social enterprise is all about balancing the pursuit of profit with a contribution to society and to the individuals in the organization, to their stakeholder groups. And that is what people have actually come to expect. The purpose of an organization is way beyond now uh, making money. 
And if they're not giving back to society, if they don't stand for something bigger, people aren't connected to that organization. It's a new selection method. How do companies find that purpose? It seems like, you know, this is sort of more relatively recent, this idea of social enterprise. Can all companies find that if maybe they, you know, have been around for 50 years and, and haven't really thought that carefully about it before? Yes, any company can. Big, small, it doesn't matter. You actually have no choice. It's not a purpose related to our traditional kind of business thoughts of profit and stakeholder returns. It's much more about that social purpose. And if organizations don't have it, if they don't choose it, if they don't articulate it clearly to people, we're actually seeing them die out much faster than organizations that do. We see this with our clients all the time. Uh, they want to define their purpose or they have a purpose and they're not sure how to validate their purpose. And in order for companies to actually define that purpose, the one critical thing they can do is ask people, talk to your employees, you know, ask them what drives them in their work about in the organization that they work for and what they think that the organization ought to stand for. Taking that human-centered approach is a powerful one to ensuring that you are linking the organization's purpose to individual purpose, especially with um, newer generations of employees that are so driven by purpose and meaning in everything they do. What do you see in employees who do work for purpose-driven organizations versus ones that don't? What is the difference when it comes to um, showing up at work every day and being productive and doing the job they need to do? I think that, you know, when people feel a sense of purpose in the work that they do, they take ownership. You know, they, they don't just clock in and clock out. And they feel a sense of pride and devotion towards seeing things through to the end. And a key element of, of that is the role that leaders play in living the purpose, role modeling that purpose. And in the way that the organization is designed and the way that processes are structured, allow people to behave in a way that is purposeful. You know, I, I actually think it's, in my brain, it's simple. It's, if I don't have purpose, you have a very transactional relationship with me. I give you money for your time and effort. If you have purpose that you've actually connected to my job as an employee, I'm giving you discretionary effort. I'm giving you things that matter way more to me because I'm bought into it. I'm invested in it. And, and that can come from the most unique places, right? Like, you know, we, we talked a lot about the examples in COVID of uh, Lysol or Clorox. I don't think a lot of people that were sitting on the line there actually thought they had a potentially life-saving product that they were building every day. Now they do. So how do you make sure their jobs are connected to that? You just mentioned the transactional nature of work. Um, and I think over time, a lot of research has shown that people aren't just satisfied by getting paid and, and clocking out and going home or, or even the benefits that they're getting, um, you know, may not keep them satisfied at work. Uh, and, and so that ties into this concept that uh, come out in the report under purpose around wellness and, and well-being. And, and Sabrina, I wonder if you can talk a bit about the difference between wellness and well-being and, and how that ties into purpose. So, you know, wellness, as we define it, is really focused on uh, physical health and the absence of disease. So it's sort of the baseline upon which you would think about one state of being and say, you know, if you don't have uh, chronic illness or if you're really managing your chronic illness well and if you're physically fit and you have a strong nutrition regime, then you are 
uh, you're, you are well and you have a sense of wellness. And I think that when we talk about well-being, we bring that over and above the baseline physical state of health. And well-being is defined as the overall integration of key elements such as mind, body, and purpose. Uh, these are factors that when they work in concert together, they lead to high performance for an individual as well as how they show up in the workplace. So I think wellness and well-being are linked, but well-being brings people's performance to and the next level when they focus on the things that actually matter to them. There's a blurb that I really like in the report this year that actually puts the, this kind of evolution in context. And it's, it says, as the workforce evolved, so did worker expectations. It calls for organizations to do more to help improve individuals' lives, to address societal problems, to mitigate technology's unintended consequences, and act equitably and ethically. Like, that is a core part of well-being. If you look at what organizations are providing, to, it's, it, I mean, it's fantastic what they've tried to do. We have this huge, huge uh, industry that is called wellness. And we've seen organizations investing in, you know, better benefits plans and, and, and mapping those out. You might have even seen gyms go up in your buildings. Uh, you've had lots of discussion about work-life balance. But that doesn't get to some of these other things. Like we still are in an age of workers are overwhelmed. Workers are stressed. They bring that stress home. It's actually causing broader societal issues um, you know, even if their children come up. And the difference is, and, and again, I like the way the report puts this, you know, most of what we've invested in are great attempts, but they are, they are programmatic and they are not about us at work. They are beside work. These programs need to focus much more on what happens inside of someone's work. Is that a big shift for companies, do you think, where... The responsibility of our well-being lies um, in large part on the place we're at eight hours a day or more. Um, I don't know if companies traditionally thought about our mental health or our physical health in the way that they may need to going forward. So how do human resource departments rethink this and incorporate it into their business? Look at the evolution of where an organization's responsibility was for their workers' wellness, right? It actually evolved from health and safety. So we created very good health and safety standards to keep people safe at work, at their jobs. Then we gave them benefits so that anything unexpected that happened with them related to disease or injury was taken care of. Then we started to think a little bit more about their, their physical. And so we decided to invest in, you know, how our workplaces were necessarily designed or gym memberships or, you know, flex benefits where they could go and spend it elsewhere. But that is billions of dollars in a lot of big companies. It does not get to that shift that we're asking organizations to take place. These programs are important, but it's not only about those. It's actually about how you were designing work that will determine if your employees are psychologically well physically well yeah and and i think to build on that like there's there's ways to engage people in redesigning that work if you put people at the center of redesigning that work and have them be a part of the process then you are you are empowering employees to say this is what's going to give me a sense of purpose and meaning in my work and, and if we do that well, and if we look for ways to offset some of the rote work that people are doing um, with the use of technology 
and artificial intelligence as two examples, there are many, then what we can start to do is give people the license to be really human in how they show up at work and to use more human capabilities like empathy and critical thinking. The other part of this is leaders demonstrating what it means to make people feel safe on a regular basis. And, and when I say safe, I mean psychologically safe. So how do leaders draw out the best in their people, bring the right people to the table, make them feel like they have a sense of belonging on the team and invite their opinion? There's a very simple idea. You know, leaders need to care. Your employees need to know you care. And we haven't trained a lot of uh, emerging leaders or even some executives that were very technically proficient. We haven't taught them those skills and, and they can be learned. I believe they can be learned. We don't have a choice but to do this, right? Whether it's a leadership development program or not, if your leadership and your management don't care about their employees, it is automatically going to take away from that worker's well-being. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, right. and the leadership development piece, I mean, leadership development is, we could probably speak on that topic for hours. Um, the the once the development happens and the expectation has been set it's it's also about how do you create accountability for it are leaders measured on key behaviors not just outcomes but on behaviors that help drive outcomes and what are those behaviors and then do those behaviors align with the organization's values do they align with the organization's purpose and and are you thinking about creating a new generation of leaders with that set of of metrics that is a deeper level of of thought that has to go into you know the way performance is managed for leaders versus just you know what's the bottom line of your business what about technology what role does technology have to play in maybe tracking well-being helping leaders become more empathetic what's out there that uh, hr departments might want to implement in into their business it, there's there's two sides of this again. I, I, there's the the programmatic side where we would traditionally think about you know benefits and wellness, and then there's the this other work design side. On the on the programmatic side, most of us deal with a benefits administration process that is cumbersome, that some of us actually ignore. There's an emergence of what we'd call uh, health operating systems that are helping more consumerize that. You take a company like League. And, and what they're trying to do is a couple things. One is, you know, make that benefits process just easier for people. You got a wallet, you know what you got, you know, click an image, you get your reimbursement, access to evidence-based health, even though it's not preventative necessarily, it's, it's access to evidence-based health. So you've got a marketplace now that on your phone you can go to and actually go and, and get some things. And importantly, there's choice in there. And probably the most importantly, there's data there. And the data is where we start to tune those massive investments. If you actually go through and analyze that data, so they use AI in this case, but if you go through and analyze that data, it'll tell you what kind of things people are actually claiming. So if you saw a huge bunch of uh, you know, heart disease or something like that where people are doing a lot of that, you could now use that data to do something more preventative. On the job side, I think it's again using data, but talking to your employees. There's so much that we can do with technology to make people's lives easier. And we're not necessarily doing that, like whether that's you know social media, whether that's email, whether that's how we've configured our new enterprise resource planning system. We're not designing it with people in mind. 
we're designing it with old requirements. There's also really cool things out there now where uh, there's one organization that will go into a manager's emails and analyze it with AI and actually say to them, look, of all the people on your team, you haven't recognized these people in, you know, two weeks. You talk more negatively to these people than you do these people. But it actually is a leadership development technology just for that manager based on how they are communicating with employees through technology. And that's available right now. I'm curious uh, about just to quickly, you know, on your own journeys through this process, it sounds like you both are very passionate about what you do now. I, I wonder if you felt you know, throughout your career as well that there's been an evolution in, in maybe finding your own purpose at work or finding the companies that um, provide that purpose. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think purpose is something that transcends with you over time. Uh, it, it's not a static statement um, or state of being, but it's something that changes. And I'll speak from my own personal experience. I remember when I was done business school and I was deciding what career to pursue, I was really keen on pursuing a career that it would allow me to help hone in on my purpose. I wasn't sure what that was, but I wanted to find meaning in my work. And I wanted to work in a place fundamentally that I felt like shared my values. And those were two really big sticking points for me. So I showed up to some information sessions and if they didn't, if companies didn't bring a woman, let's say, um, to the information session, I automatically felt like that wasn't aligned with my values. Like I couldn't see myself there. And there were some really top firms that I didn't even apply to for that reason. And I thought the quickest way of me uh, discerning which organization would be best fit, what had to do with my values. And then through my work, you know, my values guided me into the different projects I engaged in when I joined Deloitte, um, the things I ended up doing. And the more I engaged in projects and kind of started to whittle down the things that I felt a sense of meaning in versus others, I was able to develop a clearer focus. I started out as HR transformation person and have been for a long time because I believe my biggest benefit could be helping organizations have a better way to manage human capital more human way. And now I see that shifting to a much broader focus around how do we get organizations overall to be more human. But all of that is under the same purpose of Deloitte, right? We're going to make an impact that matters. I think what it comes down to really is for organizations, you know, if you've got the macro purpose aligned with the individual, great. You're going to keep them, but you got to connect them to it. You got to give them an ability to see the line between what they do and what that purpose is. Well, I mean, I know we can talk about this for for days. This is a fascinating subject, but I'm going to leave it there. Thank you, Sabrina Zdow and Aaron Grew for joining me. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Thank you. On our next episode, we explore the concept of potential and how companies can help their employees thrive in a more tech-focused environment. I'm Brian Borzakowski. Thanks for listening to The Social Enterprise in Canada, a podcast by Deloitte's.